This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Coming up on the Design Spark podcast. I would have thought you could smell that was off before you put it in your mouth. First of all, you're lying. I have hairy hummus. Oh, that's for me to worry about and for you to never think about. Hello and welcome. This is the Design Spark podcast, the show that uses facts, songs, and precision engineered puns to master the mysteries of modern tech. I'm Professor Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. And with me in my lab are stand-up superheroes and my technology trainees, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Lucy. How are you? I've just recovered from the the massive injury I sustained from playing with your things in your lab last time. <laughs> <laughs> She'll sue. But it's grown back. <laughs> it's grown back. That's yeah. a relief, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the lab, and as you can see from the giant robo-oven, I do some pretty weird food experiments in here. It's nothing to do with science, I just get hungry when I'm inventing. (laughs) Beck, what's your favourite food that doesn't grow naturally? I like that that suggests that I have a favourite food that grows naturally. Spoiler alert, I do not! (laughs) Unless pizza grows naturally, in which case I'm stumped. (laughs) Harriet, what's your most favourite way to cook? Uh, my most favourite way to cook, uh, <laughs> I do, I like, I like, oh, I mean, the, the first thing I thought of was the, the most sort of satisfying thing to watch cook, which is, I think, poaching, a, poaching an egg is very satisfying. What? And I love doing that really well. What? I love it. No one. Okay, first of all, <laughs> you're lying because no one can poach an egg well. I it can. Is, physically impossible i know this and then secondly what like when you when you consider all the things you can watch rising in an oven popcorn melting over toast, it happens too slowly popping with it with a poached egg you can literally watch it you can watch it cook i'm not going to sit outside the oven and watch a gluten-free bread loaf rise which it doesn't anyway sad times <laughs> oh yeah that's true i forgot you're gluten-free yeah in fairness that that answers everything yeah it does ruin it does ruin a lot um that's um interesting stuff (laughs) and relevant because this episode is all about mastering the mysteries of food technology Mm. beck and harriet what do you know about this week's chosen topic i have a little egg called a beep egg that beeps when my eggs are perfectly soft-boiled, soft like you put it in with the eggs Aww. and then boil the water and then you go away and then it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Like, and then that's when they're perfectly soft-boiled so you can forget about them until you hear it, like, beeping. And so I'm pretty sure that's food technology, yeah? Is that it? Am I done? Did I answer it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You're a yeah, master. You're, d- you're done. Um, you're ready to ace the quiz that we have later? Cool. Harriet. What do I know about food tech? Oh, actually, yeah, we're doing some food tech at the moment in the flat because uh, we've decided it would be a good idea to brew our own beer, uh, um, which is a pretty, well, so, somewhat uh, 
tech heavy <laughs> thing to do um just because you have to do things at the at the right temperatures for the right times isn't that what a recipe is <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to help you both and you the listener at home i'll be sharing my quick start guide Beck and Harriet will report on their research assignments and the episode will culminate in us making a delicious apricot crumble to take home for our mums. Sorry, I mean a examination to see if we've mastered the mysteries of food technology. What? The crumble stays here. I'm so disappointed. Sorry, did you mention something about an exam? (laughs) (laughs) The trainee with the highest score will receive the famous Design Spark Masters in Technology badge. It's rumoured that if you put six of them together, they glow and awaken an ancient power hidden deep in the earth, hell-bent on destroying humankind. (gasps) But the chances of one of you winning all six are sufficiently slim that we don't actually have to worry. Oh, yeah, I suppose it wouldn't be fair to let me win them all, would it? I don't know. I reckon I could. Oh, I I could definitely. I could win all of them. We're going to be recording more episodes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Is it sort of like an amulet situation? Because I like amulets. Yes. Like an ancient amulet that comes together. (laughs) Right. Time to get on with mastering the mysteries of food technology. What have you eaten today? I've had my usual 27-inch Marmite and chocolate pizza, but the provenance, I mean, where it came from, I'm not actually sure about other than it arrived late and covered in garlic sauce. I would 100% eat a Marmite and chocolate pizza with garlic (laughs) sauce, like absolutely. (laughs) What I can say is that many of the ingredients probably last saw sunshine over six months ago, if not longer, as manufacturers have got very good at preserving food. For millennia, this has been an important problem to solve as very few people can eat a whole woolly mammoth in one go. (laughs) Though, if you could, I believe there was a special t-shirt as a prize. (laughs) Beck and Harriet, what's the most food you've had to eat in one go because it was about to go off? Oh, because it was about to go off. Um, For me, it's usually trying to use the last of the milk <laughs> yeah, or something like But I've switched to oat milk now, which lasts forever, so Love I don't it. have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, like it's pretty, it's pretty good. Oh, mm. nice. I think um, probably spinach or something, like I'll have an extra big salad or I'll make a burger that is largely spinach-based. <laughs> Popeye, bet. <laughs> um, in terms of the most amount I've ever eaten, um, I do another podcast, uh, Name Drop Alert, um, called a problem squared and we actually got asked in the podcast how much pizza is too much pizza and to answer that question on the episode we ate as much pizza as we could before we felt sick and what was the answer with you know giving the <laughs> game away without having to listen to your other podcast uh, <laughs> that's not how you make patreon money uh, <laughs> we we gathered it was somewhere between half a large pizza and a whole large pizza for the average human to start to feel full that seems quite uh... tame how about you, Harriet? Um, well, I just had to just now actually eat half a tub of hummus um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm, I'm very suspicious of hummus, though, because it always says, like, you must eat this within three days, otherwise you'll die. But um, I swear I've eaten much older hummus and been fine. Yeah, but hummus but, grows yeah. a little furry coat. Well, it does in my fridge. Because it's some tang. I've never, I've never seen it. I've never <laughs> seen it happen. And I swear I've had hummus in the fridge for a long time and it hasn't happened. 
So maybe I've just been lucky. Uh, I have hairy hummus. <laughs> Here's a fact that we might need to fact check, but <laughs> it's the one fact that I know. It's really good for pub quizzes and stuff, um, is that I believe the highest cause of food poisoning deaths in the UK is old pate. Old pate? <laughs> Mm. like meat pate yeah i would have thought you could smell that was off before you put it in your mouth well it starts moving doesn't it (laughs) but maybe not (laughs) how strange (laughs) food technology is defined as a branch of food science that deals with the production processes used to make food this includes techniques such as smoking and salting used since ancient times to enable food to last longer travel further and be traded in far-flung exotic places like Birmingham. <laughs> also, smoking food makes it cooler. <laughs> <laughs> the more popular food. Hanging out the back of the bike shed. No, it's vapes now. Mm, vaped, vaped haddock. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Watermelon flavoured. <laughs> if we didn't have refrigeration, canning, packing and dehydration, a lot of food we find on the supermarket shelves would spoil before we got anywhere near it. In fact, the survival of the human race has been reliant upon the technology to farm and store food and keep up with changes in lifestyle habits. For instance, a cheeky Nando's would be significantly less cheeky if you had to go and forage your own peri-peri sauce. (laughs) Beck and Harriet, what are your bad food habits? All of my food habits. (laughs) A bad food have a good food habit. <laughs> no, your spinach can't be bad food habit. Uh, I uh, just keep eating old pate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Beck special, deep fried spinach pizza. <laughs> Nom. Yeah. I do like weird things. Like I, I um, if I start to feel sick, I've got a, a special tonic that I've started making, which is apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, honey, paprika, garlic powder, ginger powder, and uh, cayenne pepper. Wow. uh, Mixed with uh, hot water so it all melts together and then filling up the rest with cold and I have that as a pint. And I actually really like the taste of it. Is this why you were in hospital recently? (laughs) Is why I was in hospital, yeah. (laughs) Harriet, what bad habits have you got? Bad food habits we'll stick with. Um, Well, I do... I do tend to sort of, if I see anything that's got a gluten-free label on it, I will buy it and eat it. (laughs) So it just means that like things that are gluten-free that places sort of, you know, because a lot of places sort of think, oh, we'll we'll do one gluten-free thing and then the celiacs will be happy. Um, And believe me, we are, uh, because it's usually brownies. So I I find myself (laughs) eating a lot of brownies. Um, So that's probably my worst food habit is just compulsive brownie eating. You know, in the name of science. Mm. See, I, I'm the, always the present me does future me a great favour. And if there's a packet of open biscuits, I will finish that packet so that the future me isn't tempted by any more biscuits. See, that's really <laughs> kind of you. It, I'm, I'm nice like that. <laughs> With the world's population continuing to grow, the way we currently convert photons from the sun into calories and then protein is simply not going to be efficient enough not to mention the huge consequences in terms of waste, water usage and pollution, which also aren't sustainable, especially if you make lasagna the frankly renegade way I do. (laughs) 
I want to know now what that way would be, that renegade way that uses all of the pollution and the water and stuff. I like to think it's that you give each sheet of pasta a little drive around the block before you <laughs> place it in the dish. <laughs> renegade lasagna with Lucy. <laughs> oh, I love renegade lasagna. When life gives you lasagnas, make renegade lasagna. <laughs> It turns out that food production, much like the air freshener in a gent's toilet, needs to improve its efficiency by about 500 to 1,000% by 2050. <laughs> While eating alternative proteins, such as insects and seaweed, may help, potentially disruptive technologies which merge chemical engineering, synthetic biology, robotics and advanced manufacturing could be the answer. Beck and Harriet, would you eat insect-based food? Yes, I think I would as well. Given the fact that I eat chicken nuggets and hot dogs. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, there's that, uh, it's actually a fake fact they worked out, but, you know, the idea that you eat however many spiders in your lifetime um, at night. So I figure, like, why not just get it done during the day as well? <laughs> well, I figure that, like, we eat, we eat, like, the insects of the sea, like we eat, like, prawns, prawns yeah. and crabs and, like, little... Uh, mollusks and things like that so why not eat the land versions of them as well yeah I've once eaten a dried grasshopper yeah or cricket it might have been what are grasshoppers and crickets if not the prawns of the land exactly that's how I see it and like mealworms as well they just taste like what they eat so they taste like corn I guess or whatever they've been fed but with extra protein did you know that the most insect-based protein that's actually eaten at the moment is in health bars uh, the protein bars, gyms. What do they call it? How do they convince people to eat it? Why did Jim get all of it? Jim <laughs> isn't fussy. It doesn't take much to convince Jim, to be honest. <laughs> Arguably, the world needs to shift from food produced by agriculture to food produced by manufacturing, which would involve technologies such as vertical farming and novel packaging. I love both those words. <laughs> <laughs> Vertical farming involves growing stacked layers of crops in an environmentally controlled space with LED lighting, hydroponics, aquaponics or aeroponics instead of soil. A neighbour on my street was a real pioneer of these techniques before the police came round for a bust. <laughs> <laughs> I would really like it if vertical farming just meant like normal farming but on stilts. <laughs> well, so we could just go underneath it. Yeah, if the farmers buried crops on cliff faces and then they had to yep. tend to them by abseiling. Wow. <laughs> Bungee jumping to pick them. That'd be amazing. I'd be a crop picker then. Yeah, bungee jumping on a grapevine. That'd be fun. Novel packaging, on the other hand, involves monitoring the freshness of products and then actively adjusting them using techniques such as biological nanocapsules to make sure they stay in the optimum condition. So the next time you think about where your pizza comes from, it could be using tomatoes grown without soil in a robo bag that keeps it fresh or simply made from delicious protein-rich crickets. I like the sound of all of that. <laughs> and that concludes my quick start guide to food technology. Yay! Robo bags! Yay! <laughs> Harriet, your first assignment was to explore the history of food preservation, which I don't know much about beyond Googling, can you eat a tin of beans that expired in 2017? <laughs> what did you find out? And more importantly, can you? 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Tinned food lasts forever, right? Well, it didn't kill me. Right, so here's some of the history of exactly what we're talking about, canning. The process of heating wine for preservation purposes has been known in China since AD 1117. Put that in your pipe and gently boil it, Monsieur Pasteur. In Europe, wars have tended to be the main driver of the development of food technology. For instance, the Napoleonic Wars led to thermal civilization of various foods and drinks. The French government offered in fantastique cash award of 12,000 francs to any inventor who could devise a cheap and effective method of preserving large amounts of food to feed an increasingly très grand army and navy. <laughs> also, they didn't want to limit their military campaigns to summer and autumn when there was enough fresh food. They wanted to faire le killing all year round. And why shouldn't they? <laughs> in 1809, Nicolas Appert, a French confectioner and brewer, observed that food cooked inside a glass jar did not go off unless the seals leaked. He put all sorts of food inside all shapes and sizes of jar and concluded it worked for anything. You could have fruit jam, beef jam, egg jam, potato jam, any kind of jam you could ever imagine. <laughs> not that I go around imagining jam all day. <laughs> it turns out that old Nicky Appert jam, ha, had developed exactly the jam thing the French government needed. He duly called it appartisation, what we now call sterilisation, and was awarded his 12,000 jars of jam. Uh, <laughs> francs. I mean francs. The reason the food didn't spoil was unknown at the time, but Tricky Nicky insisted it was down to magic. It would be another half a century before Louis Pasteur demonstrated the role of microbes in spoiling food and any remaining notions of jam-based magic. <laughs> in 1810, British inventor and merchant Peter Durand, also of French origin, patented his own method of appetisation, but this time in a tin can. Yes, we can, he said, when people asked if and what he did. <laughs> in 1812, Englishmen Brian Donkin and John Hall purchased both patents and began producing all kinds of jam. A decade later, appetisation had made its way to America, and people became obsessed with putting things in cans. Yes, we can, they chorused. <laughs> Only problem was, they were putting so much stuff in cans that people started to forget what to do with food, other than just put it in a can. <laughs> cans were there to be marvelled at. Not many were opened because you needed a hammer and chisel to open cans. And a hammer and chisel make the most ghastly centrepiece. <laughs> oh, how they celebrated when Robert Yates finally invented the can opener in 1855. It's hard to describe the rapturous joy of the occasion. Jam everywhere. People were practically swimming in jam. You had to be there. God, I wish I was. And that concludes my research into the history of jam. <laughs> Food technology jam. <laughs> that was really good, Harriet. Was Thank you. Now, when we hear the song that goes, War, what is it good for? We'll know the answer is egg jam. Time for us to move into the present and hear from Beck about her assignment, which was to consider the top 10 foods that you think would benefit from some engineering. How did you get on and did it involve some creative snacking? It did, but that has nothing to do with this topic. <laughs> All my snacking is creative snacking. So I've come up with the top 10 foods that I need engineered right now. At number 10, I've got the twist and peel orange. <laughs> twist the two halves and the peel comes off instantly. 
Bonus, the peel doubles as a bowl to catch all those drips. Nice. Ah, brilliant. Number nine, unburnable toast. Once it achieves the perfect ground crisp, it stops cooking. Good idea. Again, brilliant. Number eight, odorless fish. Yes, I'm in. That's just, that's all I've written. <laughs> Number seven, cola, which doesn't dissolve your teeth, but makes them stronger. Mmm, fluoride cola, that's going there. Why haven't they done that yet? I don't know. This is why I should be president. <laughs> Number six, seedless grapes. I know we already have these, but I mean only seedless grapes. Grapes with seeds need to be banned. There's nothing worse than eating grapes and realising they have seeds. Who buys non-seedless grapes? Only monsters. Like they're keeping the seeds? They're trying to plant their own grapes? No. Number five. The sandwich you want. That's the, what I'm saying. They need to engineer the sandwich you want. So when you're buying a meal deal and you can't decide what sandwich you want, there needs to be just one and it's the one you want. Yes. Okay. Actually, isn't, isn't that for the Harriet, the gluten-free one? Yes. I have very limited sandwich choices and I'm okay with it. <laughs> I love egg. I love that you live in like what I would argue is the biggest sandwich-loving country in the entire world. My mum is originally from Britain and she hadn't been over here since like she was my age when uh, when she came to visit me the first time and I said to her oh just so you know like it's changed a lot since you used to live here like for instance everywhere sells sandwiches <laughs> and she laughed and I was like no I'm serious like their pharmacies sell sandwiches <laughs> and then she arrived at the airport she came out of the arrivals and she was laughing and I was like, why are you laughing, Mum? She's like, you weren't lying. There are sandwiches everywhere. <laughs> you can buy a sandwich anywhere. It's so funny. You guys are so obsessed with them. Um, mm, sandwiches. <laughs> number four, vitamin chocolate. Why isn't this a thing yet? Uh, I don't know. I'm taking you guys aren't answering because you're just as stunned as I am. I'm stunned. But also I thought chocolate already had... It was, it's your one of your five a day right <laughs> while we're on the subject number three Barocca wine you know so it can cure your hangover while you're drinking ah good idea <laughs> number two I want them to engineer that three course dinner gum from Willy Wonka mhm mhm and number one big rice so <laughs> you need one grain of rice to be full big rice like imagine if you just had like a rice the size what, like a jacket potato of like a baguette I would love that and you just oh, 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 oh. <laughs> what would you like your, what would you like in your <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of the um, rice you split open and you put your filling in it's a new kind of sandwich yeah it's like the reverse burrito yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so true Oh my god and that is my top 10 foods that i think need to be engineered right now yay and i completely agree with all of them <laughs> and i'm really hungry now thank you judging by the timer on my robo oven it seems we're halfway through the show and if you keep skimping on the learning the examination will be your just desserts beck and harriet how do you think you're doing i'm just so hungry <laughs> I feel slightly more confident after Harriet's segment. I feel like I learned a lot from that. Oh, good. And did you learn a lot from Bex, Harriet? 
I just can't stop thinking about big rice. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's gluten-free. <laughs> exactly. Imagine. Imagine the sandwiches. Also, I'm just imagining like small rice inside big rice. Oh, uh, a rice babushka or matryoshka. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just, it's just, wow. Okay, how about we try answering an audience question as a palate cleanser? At Steampunk Prof asks, will we ever be able to print food at home? And if so, will it still be covered in too much salt and served lukewarm? <laughs> I know a drag king called Lukewarm. Um, <laughs> That's a good name. Will it be covered in too much salt? I Surely if you were printing it yourself, you'd be able to regulate how much salt you print on it. What, what do you think? Mm. I think we will be able to print food at home because I already do that. Excuse me? It's, it's called pooing. <laughs> um, I'm just not, I was, I, no, I think it's just when you ice a cake, that is just 3D printing. Piping, piping bags, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if we all just keep eating icing, mm-hmm. job's done. <laughs> Next. Next audience question. <laughs> I didn't answer the salt and served lukewarm. So, uh, but yes, I think actually if we are 3D printing um, food, it, it will be lukewarm because if it gets too hot, then it won't work. And if it's too cold, it will seed up in the nozzle. Yeah. It, it can't be too hot, too cold. It has to be just right. Mm-hmm. Mm. What I don't want is that audience member's lukewarm, salty icing that clogs up the nozzle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But also, like, it sounds like Steampunk Prof has, like, some issues with whoever cooks their food. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, you two. I think we're well on your way to avoiding some humble pie. (laughs) Time for another assignment. (laughs) If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that Harriet is very musically talented. I'll say that without sounding sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you say musically talented, like it's the only aspect. Um, yes. Uh, Everything else, untalented. I, she's very musically talented. Harriet is very talented and musically talented as well. That's not good. <laughs> Harriet is musical. <laughs> if you leave out the talented, it just sounds like a passive-aggressive insult, doesn't it? Anyway... Harriet, is it true that music is the food of love? And if so, do you think we could adapt it to be the food of science instead? Can music be the food of science? Uh, that's a very strange question, Lucy. But yeah, I guess I guess it can. I thought Bunsen burners were the food of science. <laughs> that's a great band, the Bunsen burners. Tell us, which poorly understood icon is your song about this week? Well, this week I'm going to be singing a song from the point of view of Eleanor Roosevelt who we all know was the wife of FDR. And she was quite instrumental in America in the 1930s in sort of helping people understand how to eat a nutritious diet on a budget. Mm -hmm. Like an extremely sort of rare thing to take upon oneself as a first lady. And so she sort of took lots of advice from scientists and home economists and nutritionists. And all of those things were fairly sort of new disciplines, or at least new in terms of they'd only just been sort of given any sort of scientific respect um and so you know because there were sort of women women's areas she's like a an important sort of feminist 
but she's like she kind of divides feminists as well. But the idea was that if 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 you gave women the knowledge and science behind what they were doing in the home, mm-hmm. then everyone would be better nourished in a very difficult time. Uh, so she was great, and I'm singing it in the style of another important American feminist who kind of divides feminists as well. Um, <laughs> this is Eleanor Roosevelt via Dolly Parton. <laughs> I hope you enjoy (laughs) Now I've decided this is the time to set a good example It's the Great Depression and I'm not the kind of damsel Who's gonna let things fall apart in terms of your nutrition You should follow where I lead Home Egg is my mission Science is delicious, technology's tasty as hell Make your kitchen your laboratory And everything will surely be swell I've gathered here today a team of home economists Feeding your family on the cheap with that they can't assist So me and my husband FDR will eat what they suggest Spaghetti with carrots and white sauce Mm-mm, what a pleasure to ingest Oh God Science is delicious, technology's tasty as hell Make your kitchen your laboratory And everything will surely be so well It's time that every citizen ate an all-American diet Forget about your seasonings, embrace the bland, just try it We don't need all your stimulated by unnecessary flavors An olive is a gateway drug, a prune is much less dangerous Science is delicious, technology's tasty as hell Make your kitchen your laboratory, and everything will surely be sweet It's up to the women is the title of my book Getting through the Great Depression has to start with what we cook Vitamins are the cool new thing, we don't know how they work But if the science says we need them, then put them on your furk Science is delicious, technology's tasty as hell Make your kitchen your laboratory And everything will surely be so well Oh, bravo! Yeehaw! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Harriet. Pleasure, darling. (laughs) My favourite part was when that cat wandered in and started to do solos. Uh, I think you mean my uh, steel guitar player, who also happens to be a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I loved that. Cheers, Rebecca. (laughs) Is that an oven timer? Yep. I set it going whenever Beck has a big idea cooking. Yeah, this one's going to blow your minds. Seriously, how do we turn the timer off, though? Easy. All you need to do is this. Ah! Oh, that works.
Beck, your final assignment this episode was to come up with a food tech invention to benefit all of humanity. What have you got for us? We've all seen those devices which enlarge and cook food in the movies. Probably the most popular being the ones in Back to the Future 2 when Lorraine hydrates a pizza or in The Fifth Element when Lilu uses a machine to produce an entire chicken. And if given the means, most of us could happily polish off a whole pizza or a whole chicken on our own. I know I have, and I'll happily prove it to any non-believers under the proviso that they provide me with said chicken or pizza. And therein lies the problem. What if I want to eat an entire pizza chicken, but I don't want to deal with the consequences of that action? You could argue that I simply shouldn't. We live in a world where fighting over consumption and sharing food is even more important than ever. But consider my counter-argument. I really, really want to eat a whole pizza chicken. That's why I'm proposing the latest in food tech, the Meal Minimizer. The Meal Minimizer works in the opposite way to the food enlargers seen in movies. So according to my research, removing the water from a tomato would make it just 1 26th of its weight, which in my eyes is still 1 26th too much of a tomato. I say we go a step further and make it 1 26,000th of its weight. <laughs> If we could do that with other food, it'd be amazing. So you'd implant the small contraption into the back of your throat and as you eat, it shrinks everything down to a 26,000th of its original size. Imagine all the things you'd be able to get done on Christmas Day without having to look after that painful food baby. <laughs> What's that for dinner on Boxing Day? Leftovers? Heck no! You polished off everything the day before and you feel great. Were you on holiday? I had no idea. You've not changed a single bit. The meal minimizer doesn't have to be implanted in your throat either. Cleaning the toilet is a thing of the past now that you only do tiny dainty poos, one twenty-six thousandth of its original size. So, Harriet, what do you reckon? Um, I mean, where where does it all go? It just gets smallened. Yeah, science. Okay. Well, I mean, as as someone, I don't I don't mean to go on about it, but as someone who has the very serious disease of celiac disease, um. When I'm ill or accidentally eating gluten, um, my my poos look exactly the way <laughs> they went in. Um, don't eat poo. So <laughs> I, I don't have a problem. I don't know why I chose to mention that now. Uh, yeah, d- point is, I don't digest things very well anyway. At the best of times, this sounds like uh, a very a very good idea, but I don't know where it all goes. Oh, that's for me to worry about and for you to never think about. Right. What about you, Lucy? I'm I'm worried about you know you'll never get the feeling of fullness because your stomach will only have one twenty six thousandth of the stuff in it, and therefore you'll always be hungry. But think about all the pizza and chicken you can eat. I mean, hooray! <laughs> and that's my big idea for this episode. Thank you, Beck. How do you feel about the examination? Hungry. Absolutely starving. Lucy, what's the future of food? By which we mean, when can we break for a snack? Well, I shouldn't really speculate on the future. No, we mean, can we have a snack now or maybe in five minutes or... Okay, you've twisted my arm. Sit back while I give you my forecast for the future of food technology, served with a big slice <gasps> of imagination. Oh. <sighs> You know that brilliant feeling of satisfaction you get when you vacuum pack the spare duvet and store it under the bed? Well, let me take you to the future. 
the year 2120 to be precise, where your food will arrive in a biodegradable shrink wrap, having had all traces of air removed from it. And it won't just be deoxygenated, but also, like me after doing a single push-up, completely dehydrated. This process will render all food into simple tablets, a bit like a chicken chow mein barocca. Not only does this mean many hundreds of thousands of meals can be transported in a single vehicle, but the lack of oxygen and water in the food means its decay rate is tremendously slowed. So what will cooking now look like? Instead of the usual elaborate routine of using every single saucepan in the kitchen in a vain attempt to feel like a TV chef whose career hasn't gone off the rails, you'll simply choose a tablet, pop it in a bowl of water and switch on the reinflating gas. The whole process will be a bit like those magic towel tablets, which, as soon as you put them in a glass of water, expand to become a whole bath towel, admittedly with shards of glass stuck in it. Maybe just put it in the sink next time. And, like pretending to own a soda stream in the 80s, this re-oxyhydrogenation device is now ubiquitous. Every room of the house has one, because who hasn't been on the downstairs loo at two in the morning and thought, gosh, I really fancy some inflato pizza? Mm. Mm. Inflato pizza. (laughs) Even the humble act of making bread now becomes so much more fun. Add a little water to a dough tablet and you have flatbread or tortilla. Add air, you get a bloomer. Add bubbles, you've now got crumpets. And if you want French bread, stick it in a tube. Just don't let go of the end of it or it'll fly around the room making a wee noise. (laughs) Watermelons the size of marbles, steaks as thin as bacon, baked beans you can only see under a microscope. Just add water and whoosh, you're a culinary wizard. Just because all those sci-fi shows make future food look tasteless and boring, doesn't mean it has to be. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to roll some watermelon marbles in steak, bacon and vodka to see what happens. (laughs) The future tastes good. The bad cook in me loves that forecast, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My robo oven looks like it's about to make that ding sound that means my dinner is either ready or about to explode. Either way, now would be a good time to make you test your knowledge. Beck and Harriet. You've heard my quick start guide, completed your assignments and enjoyed my definitely not made up forecast for the future. Are you now ready to take your tech examination? Mm, I don't know. Oh, I get so nervous when I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and I get so hungry when I'm nervous. Oh, it's just a cycle of hungry nerves. OK, the rules are simple. I'll ask some questions drawn from today's episode while you buzz in with the right answers. And as usual, a reminder that the buzzers are still not edible. Beck, let's hear yours. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> salty. <laughs> Harriet. Delicious. On with the questions. Question one. Name one of the ancient food preservation techniques I mentioned earlier. Harriet. Smoking. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well done. Uh, for no points, uh, Beck, what was the other one? 
Mm. I don't know because I was too busy making a joke about smoking when you said that bit. <laughs> <laughs> smoking and salting. Uh, yeah. I was going to say salting, but then I was like, that doesn't sound like a real verb. <laughs> <laughs> And when has that bothered us before? <laughs> Verb <Verbschmerz. laughs> Question two. What type of food technology involves growing stacked layers of crops in a controlled environment? Beck. Vertical farming. Yay. <laughs> you like that idea. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Stilts. Stilt farming. <laughs> Question three. How much more efficient will food production need to be to feed the world's population in the future? Beck? Five to ten times more efficient by 2050. Well done. Yeah! I've done my homework. <laughs> Have you got the answer sheet? <laughs> <laughs> she ate that. Uh, yes. Question four is for Beck. What is the more common name for appetisation? Yep. Hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> close, but not close enough. Ah. <laughs> Harriet? Um, Sterilisation. Sterilisation is correct. Question five for Beck. What did Robert Yates invent in 1855, removing the need for a hammer and chisel in your cupboard? A can opener. <laughs> Yay! Either that or a very popular series of pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Question six for Harriet. Mm -hmm. What would Beck brand cola do to your teeth? It would restore them. It would, well, not destroy them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got another word for this? Not destroying, restoring. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, careful. <laughs> I think, Beck, what was the phrase you used? Make them stronger. Make them stronger. There we go. <laughs> it's all synonyms, isn't it? Do you want to give that answer again, Harriet? <laughs> it would make your teeth stronger. Yay! Happy now. I would also accept faster, better or harder. <laughs> <laughs> Question seven for Harriet. Removing all the water from a tomato would shrink it to what proportion of its normal weight? Hmm. I know that Beck was talking a lot about a 26,000th, but I think it was actually a 26th. It was. Hooray. One Harriet. Not enough. And with a score of four to three, Harriet is the winner. Hooray! Yeah, like smart-wise, but... You know, funny-wise, I'm the real people's princess. It's <laughs> <laughs> only because you sleep with a pee under your mattresses. <laughs> I will grow out of it, they said. <laughs> <laughs> Harriet, what meal are you going to have to celebrate? Uh, I think pizza chicken. Yeah, well done. And what about you, Beck? Does losing taste bittersweet? Yeah, more salty and lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> Good for your throat. If you played along at home, why not tweet us via at designsparkrs and tell us how you did? Or send us an email. Or cakes. Or actually, just send cakes. <laughs> yeah, just send cakes. Mmm, cakes. So how did this week's episode go for you, Beck? 
Do you feel you mastered the mysteries of food technology? Yes, absolutely, if not more. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a live response, not a recorded one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you harriet uh well i i won the examination so you know so obviously i win the war and the twelve thousand francs and the jam and all the jam jam mm. <laughs> frankly i think that's too many francs <laughs> <laughs> well that's the show finished but tune in next week for a bonus episode where we hear from a very special guest in the world of food thanks for listening and may your food ever be tasty Goodbye. Bye. 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 The Design Spark podcast was a Why Did the Chicken production for Design Spark, starring Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast and Catherine Brinkworth, with additional material from the producers, Stu Cooper and Dan Page. All audio was mastered by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. And if you like what you heard, then we'd love you to do three nice things. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and tell a friend. For more episodes and bonus content, head to designspark.com forward slash podcasts. <laughs>